0: Hey, City First Church family and everyone joining us online right now, I want to thank you for joining us this weekend and being a part of the City First Church services. Now, if it is your first time with us, I want to just let you know we are so glad that you are here. I mean, it has been an amazing week here at City First, and I want to take a moment and recap a little bit of what God has been doing. For those of you that are part of our Cape Coral location, you know This last weekend, we had drive-in church. I mean, absolutely amazing. So what they did is they put a screen on the side of the church, and they asked everyone from the Cape Coral location and anyone who wanted to in the community to come and watch the church service from their cars. Kind of like a drive-in theater, you could say. And I heard great reports. I mean, people had their sunroofs open. They were worshiping God. They were having a great time with one another. So I just want to say to Cape Great job. That is amazing. I love the creativity and what God is doing in our church. And then for those of you that are part of our Rockford location, if you are a part of Spring Creek or our Stateline location, you know that on Thursday of this week, we had the privilege of giving away 43,000 pounds of food in 150 minutes. Think about that. 43,000 pounds of food in 150 minutes. Literally hundreds and hundreds of families were blessed with food to help supplement their needs. In fact, cars were lined up two hours ahead of time and they were waiting there and people were so grateful to receive some food. I just want to say thank you to Convoy of Hope for partnering with City First, as well as every person that served at City First. So I want you to know we're planning on doing more compassion efforts in our City First Church communities. And I would love for you to be involved. Be watching our City First Church social media, or you could go to our website at cityfirst.church. And I would like you to prayerfully do something. Would you prayerfully consider giving to the City First COVID-19 Relief Fund? This is how we're able to help people, whether it be in nursing homes or in our communities or helping to feed those that need food right now. It is all because of the generosity of people like you giving to this relief fund that we are able to do all that we're doing as a church. Again, City First, I've said this all the time for the last three weeks, the way through this crisis is together and by faith and generosity. So we're going through this together with faith and generosity. In fact, this is the time that we have to join together, even though I know it's virtually right now, but also we have faith together with unity, believing for God to do great things, and we're generous. We're generous with our time, our prayers, our finances, and our resources. That's how we're going to go through this together. Now, today I want to start out with a a, a funny story. Actually, it's about uh, Jen's aunt and uncle, which they are amazing people. Years ago, they went on their dream vacation to the island of St. John in the U.S. Virgin Islands. It's actually St. John is the smallest of all of the Virgin Islands. In fact, it doesn't even have an airport. You have to go there by boat. And they were excited. They'd saved up their money for a long time. They finally got to this island. The beaches are beautiful. The hotel was just absolutely majestic. It was incredible. But after 24 hours, they were told that there was a hurricane watch. Now, for those of you joining us at our Florida locations, you know this. You know that hurricane watches kind of come and go, and so they didn't take it very seriously because the hurricane was going in the exact opposite direction. But then, 24 hours later, something happened. The hurricane decided to take a sharp turn and literally started heading in the opposite direction directly toward the island of St. John. Well, pretty soon, within a day or so, they're in the middle of a hurricane. Their dream vacation was ruined. They actually had to spend three days locked up in their hotel room, and the hotel staff would deliver sandwiches to their door multiple times through the day. Now, this is how the hotel staff did it, though. They would have two people tied together with a rope. This is not made up. Tied together with a rope delivering sandwiches to the hotel rooms. And the reason why they would take two hotel staff and tie them together is so they wouldn't blow away. Can you believe that? You know it is a bad vacation when the staff is delivering sandwiches to your room and they're tied together so they don't blow away. The dream vacation had turned into an absolute nightmare. In life, have you ever had a situation That you looked at and you thought to yourself, life's not supposed to be like this. You know what? Many of you are thinking that right now, aren't you? In fact, we're all thinking that right now. In fact, I like to do this right where you're at, in your living room, watching your smartphone, wherever you're at. If you say you've been thinking to yourself, this is not the way that life's supposed to be right now, go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah, I see those thousands of hands through the camera right now. All of us feel this way. We're definitely in a season where we are either stating it verbally or thinking it, life's not supposed to be like this. We shouldn't have to be trapped in our homes. We shouldn't have to be trying to educate our kids without classrooms. We shouldn't have to be wearing gloves and masks in public. We shouldn't have to be worried about shaking somebody's hand or giving somebody a hug. We shouldn't have people dying from a virus, right? I mean, life's just not supposed to be like this. In fact, we should be at work. We, we should be hanging out with our friends and family members, going to our favorite restaurants and hangout places. We should be dropping our kids off at their school so that they can learn from the teachers in the classroom with all of their friends. We should be able to buy toilet paper, right? We should be able to stand closer than just six feet apart. We should be able to go to prom. We should be able to gather on weekends at City First and worship Jesus together. You see, life's not supposed to be like this. You know what we're doing right now? I believe what we're doing right now is we're trying to navigate a new normal, and ultimately what we're doing is this, we're grieving. We're actually grieving right now. You know, you grieve when you experience loss, and if you think about it, in the last three weeks, we have experienced a lot of loss, haven't we? You know, I had somebody look at me this week, and they said this, they said, I don't understand it, but... I feel so sad all the time. And you know why? I think it's because we're experiencing loss and we're grieving that. We're, we, we lost life as we knew it. it. It's a loss of life as we expect it to be. And today I want to talk about this. I want to talk about going through this season and experiencing loss embracing the grief that comes with it, but how to get through it. So today, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn them open to Psalm 84. Psalm 84 is probably one of my favorite Psalms in the entire Bible. And it talks about going through it. In fact, you might be with your family right now in your living room or wherever you're at. Just just turn to somebody, whoever you're with, a roommate or whatever, and look at them and say this we're going through it. Come on, do it right now. We're going through it, right? Well, today I want to talk about going through it, going through a season of life when it shouldn't be like this. Well, in Psalm 84, it reads like this in verses one through four. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out, for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home. This the swallow, a nest for herself, where she may have her young a place near your altar. I mean, the author is saying I I yearn to be in the presence of God. I yearn to be in the temple of God. And, and even the birds are able to go near the temple, but I can't. It says this, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Now, if you allow me for a moment, I'd love to give you a little theological history here. Um, If you read out of your Bible, you'll see that the author of this psalm, we attribute the author as being the sons of Korah. It was a group of individuals that we believe maybe wrote this psalm, but there are actually some theologians that believe something else. They believe that it was actually King David who wrote this psalm, not the sons of Korah, and that King David wrote it. He just didn't get credit for it. Now, for some of you might say, I don't know who King David is. Well, King David was the most prominent king in the Old Testament for the Jewish people, and they believe that it was written by David, and this was maybe during the time that David was forced out of his palace and out of the city of Jerusalem because his son, named Absalom, was actually trying to steal the throne from his father. Now, when you think about this, that Absalom was actually trying to kill his dad, David, and steal the throne. Uh, I mean, this is just, this is family drama drama at a new level. In fact, I would say this, that David and Absalom had a very rocky relationship, and we see that Absalom is starting a coup, and he's trying to take over the throne. He's trying to murder, literally, his father. So what does David do? He runs for his life and is hiding in the wilderness, and some theologians believe that during this time of hiding is when David might have written Psalm 84. And it would make sense because David talked about missing life as normal. He missed the palace. He missed the royal city. He missed the ability to worship in the holy city of Jerusalem. Everything that David loved, everything that he had known had been disrupted due to circumstances outside of his control. Does that sound familiar? Does it sound familiar? I, I believe it does. It's out of our control. This coronavirus is out of our control and it has literally disrupted billions of people around the world and millions of us in America alone You know what David was doing if he wrote this psalm? He was grieving. He was grieving. I have some dear friends that they've had to cancel their wedding because of this crisis. And I believe that they're grieving. I know other people that have been furloughed or even terminated from their jobs. You know what they're doing right now? They're grieving. I've had other friends that have had to cancel birthday parties and had to postpone important family get-togethers and are missing milestone events. And every single one of them are grieving because life's not supposed to be this way. I even had one student tell me recently that they were sad because all the special moments of their senior year are now not gonna be able to be lived out because school is not in session. And they were grieving the fact that they're not going to be able to have all those last moments with their class, to be able to go to prom. Some of them are even wondering if there's going to be a graduation. You know what those people are doing? They're grieving. That student that told me that is grieving. There are thousands of you right now that miss worshiping together at a city first church service. And you know what you're doing and I'm doing? We're grieving. I just want to say this it's okay. Uh, Listen close. It is okay to grieve. In fact, I would say this, it's actually normal because life, life's not supposed to be this way. You know what David missed? David missed normal. You know what we miss? We miss normal. You see, David knew this. Sons are not supposed to try to kill their fathers and steal the throne. And we know this, that life is not supposed to be like the way that we're living it right now. We're not supposed to be confined in our homes. We're not supposed to be afraid to go to the grocery store. It's not supposed to be like this. Well, if it was David who wrote this, let's continue to see what he writes about this season of grieving He says this in verse five Blessed are those whose strength is in you, meaning in God, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. You see, David's on a journey and it is not a pleasant one. He's been kicked out of his home. He's not sleeping in his bed. He's in the wilderness. For him, this is a journey of life and death. And it does not look promising because Absalom and all the people that he had convinced to follow him are hunting David down. And so what is David is saying? He's saying, you know what? There's blessing blessing for those journeying through difficult situations when they rely on strength that can only come from God. Now, now, how could the author, how could David, how could he write this? I mean, he's going through the most difficult season, and yet he says, guess what? Those that rely on God and God's strength, they're going to find blessing in this journey of difficulty and challenge. You know, think about it. For all of us, we're going through a difficult season right now. And for some of us, the difficulty is more intense than for others. But all of us should have this one thing in common. Every single one of us should not be relying on our own strength, but rather the never-ending strength that comes from God himself. That's what we should all have in common. Right now, we should not be trying to navigate this season and this crisis with our own strength, our own ability, our own wisdom. And can I say this in all honesty as your pastor? If you're trying to navigate this season in your own strength, your own wisdom, and your own ability, you are gonna come to the end of your rope eventually. You see, there's a limit to how much strength you and I have. There's a limit to how much ability you and I have, how much resource you and I have. But guess what? The God of the universe that loves you with an unconditional love, that loves me, guess what? That God is unlimited with strength and resource and wisdom. I want to rely on heaven right now, not on my own earthly talents or abilities. You see, you and I are able to journey through this crisis because of a supernatural God that will give supernatural ability and supernatural strength and supernatural wisdom and resource to each and every one of us. David goes on to write this, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. What does that mean? It means this. I don't know about you. I'm not putting down roots in this season. I am not becoming a permanent resident of this crisis. I don't want that. You don't want that. You see, we don't take up residency right now. We need to understand this is just something we are going through. You and I, we're passing through this challenging time, and we're going to come out on the other side with Jesus as our guide and our strength. And guess what? We're going to be better. We're going to be stronger, and we're going to have a deeper faith in God. I believe that with all my heart hearts set on pilgrimage. You know what that is really translated, what it means? It means this, whose hearts are the highways. Whose hearts are the highways. In other words, your heart is on the highway. It's one of these things where you're not like planting roots here. You're not taking an off ramp, and you're not going to plop down and set up camp, but rather you're just passing through. This is not a destination we're in. This is just a few bumpy miles of the road. Do you hear that? It's just a few bumpy miles of the road. You can do this. David continues. He, he continues to write in verses six and seven. He says, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. I realize this may be a little bit confusing, but the Valley of Baca was a desert landscape with mountains. It was a place of barrenness and dryness. It, It was a place where there was no water except during certain seasons. It was extreme heat during the day and very cold at night. No one lived there because no one wanted to live there. Kind of like we're going through a valley right now. No one wants to live here forever. And in the same way, he's saying they pass through the valley of Baca. You know what the word Baca is translated as? Weeping. In other words, literally, this passage should read, as they pass through the valley of weeping or tears, they make it a place of springs. Think about this a place of springs. It's a place where your thirst is quenched. You're refreshed and you're sustained. I don't know about you. That seems like two opposing thoughts. How can you be going through a valley of weeping and tears and at the same time be refreshed, blessed, and sustained? Like to me, that just seems like it doesn't make any sense. You know, David or whoever the author is, is writing this and it's like, It seems like these two opposites do not come together. And yet what he's saying is so vitally important for us to understand. That we can go through this and not only be sustained, but listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, city first. We can go through this crisis and there can be blessing and there can be refreshment. And there can be faith, and you can grow, and you can find purpose in this. In fact, you know what? What he is saying in this verse is there is good coming out of this valley. As you go through the valley, in fact, even in another verse, some of you have heard this verse, that God is likened to the lily of the valley. It means this. There's beauty even in our valleys. Do you hear that? There's beauty in this crisis. I know for me to say that, you're like, that makes no sense, Jer. But there could be beauty in this crisis. We can find God in the middle of this crisis. Back in the day, when people used to travel through this valley, they would many times run out of water, as people do in the middle of a desert. And that could be literally life threatening. And in order to get water, some theologians believe that what they would do is they'd actually dig a hole or they would dig a, a, a pit in the hard ground. And then when it would rain, the rain water would go into this pit or into that hole. And that's how they would drink and they would be able to be hydrated and not die. You know what? I would expect this scripture to say something different i'd expect the scripture to say as they walk through suffering god gave them refreshment but that's not how it reads it reads this as they pass through the valley of weeping they make it a place of refreshment not god they make it a place of refreshment now and i'll stay with me here because i realize some of you might be a little confused by that statement but in other words you and I are responsible to find purpose in this season. We are the ones that must put in the effort to find purpose, to find hope, to find God in the midst of this season. Yes, he wants to be found. He's not playing hide and seek. He's not trying to hide from you. He's not trying to hide hope from you. But listen, we have to put in the effort. I love what another translation, how it reads. It says this, Even when their paths wind through the dark valley of tears, they dig deep. Hear that? They dig deep to find a pleasant pool where others find only pain. In other words, that we must go through this season and dig deep to find purpose we must put in effort. We must not give up. Shallow faith in the midst of this crisis is not going to work. Do you hear that? Superficial religion is going to fall short. Half-hearted pursuit of God is not going to suffice. Prayerless Christians are going to wither up in this desert. You got to understand we must dig deep. My friends, this is when we must pursue God. When we got to find strength and find purpose in him to make it through the valley. See, many of us, many of us experience loss, right? Some of us have experienced massive loss. Maybe you've experienced a loss of income. Maybe it's been a loss of security. Maybe for some, it's a loss of health, or a loss of a job, and for most of us, it's loss of control, right? And and what was normal three weeks ago, is not normal today. And the systems and the schedules that we could count on three weeks ago, we can't count on any of them today. In fact, we're in a valley, and. We're going through this valley of weeping, and as we're going through it, we're experiencing some grief, but we also have to dig deep. Like, like I'm okay with my sadness, but I'm not okay with giving up. You hear that? Years ago, um, our family was on a vacation, and the boys had downloaded an app on their smartphones, and it was the Pokemon app. And back then, it was really popular. In fact, to date, uh, it's been downloaded over a billion times. That's one-seventh of the world's population has downloaded this app. And uh, people would take their smartphone, and some of you parents remember this, or kids, you might, where they'd have their smartphone, and, and it would show in the app the GPS marker of where they were at on the map. And there was a circle around the GPS marker, um, and, and you could see... Into the Pokemon world within that circle. And so, what you would do is you would wander around. And as you'd wander around, all of a sudden you would discover invisible Pokemon. And when you'd tap on it, you would get points. And it was this big phenomenon, still is to some degree. And so, my boys, when we'd be driving down the road on vacation, they'd be like, Oh, Dad, Dad, wait, 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 pull over, pull over. Because they're in the back seat, and they had evidently seen a Pokemon that became visible within the circle around them. In fact, when we'd take breaks and we'd go to eat at a restaurant afterwards, they would walk down the street and into parks, and they would find Pokemon, invisible Pokemon, all around them. And, and, and it was this entertaining thing. And I thought to myself, I thought, that's kind of what we're doing right now. <laughs> Stick with me on this. What I think we're doing right now is we're taking our uh, GPS, right? Because the Bible is a lamp unto our feet. You put a lamp around your feet. No, you put a lamp up high on a table or even you hang something from a ceiling to give a large circumference of light. But the word of the Lord is a lamp unto our feet, the Bible says, which gives us only a certain amount of of sphere of light that we can see. And as we are navigating, it gives us the ability to take another step and then we discover things in our path, right? So right now, this is what I want you to do. I want you to use the Word of God and prayer to be, in a sense, your GPS. And as you're going through life right now, as you're walking through life and you're reading the Word of God and you're praying, all of a sudden, you're gonna discover. Oh, there's hope. Oh, wait a minute. There's strength. Oh, wait a minute. There's faith. Oh, wait a minute. There's an opportunity to bless somebody. Oh, th- wait a minute. There's there's something that wasn't visible before, but now now because I have my GPS and my sphere of light to be able to see what God is seeing. Now I'm seeing that there's hope. There's an ability to navigate this. There's strength. There's ability to bless somebody else. It's incredibly important that you and I search for good in the midst of this valley. We must search for hope. And when we find it, we hang on to it. We have an opportunity right now to discover something new about ourselves and about our God that we may never have discovered without this discomfort. You hear that? Discomfort and crisis reveal things, reveal things in us and reveal things about our faith and about our God. God is working right now. My question is to you, how is he working in you? You see, he's working good in the midst of this crisis, this valley that we're going through. You know, for some of you, your faith is having to be strengthened. That's good. At the end of the day, you understand, that's actually good. For some of us, our prayer life is more frequent and stronger. And guess what? That's good. For some of you, you're thinking more about faith than what you've thought about faith for a really long time. Can I tell you, that's good. For some of you, you've been hanging around your family in the last two weeks, maybe more than you have in the last two years. In fact, if you go to the US Bureau of Labor Statistics, it will show you how much the average American family hangs out, especially with their children. It's a very small amount of time. You know what this crisis has done? It's made families come together. And ultimately, there's good in that. You know, you might be more engaged in your kids' lives more than ever, like you're having to educate them. You're having to take care of them at a new level. And, and, and you know what? I know it's stressful, but at the end of the day, do you see the good in that? You're able to be with them. You're becoming more creative with what limited things you have, whether that be limited amounts of resource or space or time. But guess what? When you become more creative, it's actually good. Some of you, you've been helping others more in the last few weeks than maybe what you had before, and that's actually a good thing. For some of us, we've been reading the Bible more than ever. That's a good thing. For some of you, you are being more generous right now, and it's hard to be generous and to give financially because of all of what's going on. And I will tell you, when you choose to be a giver, that's always good. Generous hands are never empty, even in seasons like this. See, some of you, you're doing amazing acts of kindness and love, and you're seeing it in our culture and our community. That's good. Lastly, some of you, you've given up on trying to control everything. And as your pastor, can I tell you something? That's really good. See, there's good here. There's good that God is doing, but... We're having to look through his lens and use his GPS to find the good that literally is all around us. We're just in a valley right now, friends. And this valley is changing us. It really is. But the question is for you, is it changing you for the better or changing you for the worse? Because crisis will do one or the other. Crisis will either change you for the better or it'll change you for the worse. And that's your choice. We must dig deeper. We must search for God's goodness and purpose in this season. And if you want God's provision, guess what? Then we have to trust God's process. And right now, we're just in process. As we close, I want to pray for each and every one of you that you would have strength, that you would dig deeper, that you would find hope, that through prayer and through the word of God and through putting to practice your faith, that you would discover strength and hope that can only come from Jesus himself. But before I do that, I wanna pray for anybody who says, I don't know Jesus as the leader and the forgiver of my life. I wanna say a quick prayer here and I'm gonna lead you in that prayer wherever you're at. We're gonna do this every week because more and more people by the thousands are watching these messages. And right now you might say, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. He wants to have a relationship with you. He loves you. He died for you on a cross. He took your sin, the wrongdoing that you and I have done to the cross to pay the price for our wrongdoing and our sin. And all we have to do is make him the leader and the forgiver of our life. And all of our sin will be forgiven and heaven will be our home someday. So if you want to pray that prayer, you're not joining a church. It has nothing to do with joining a denomination. Instead, it's joining the family of God and saying, Jesus, I wanna make you my Lord and my Savior. So will you just do this right where you're at? Will you just bow your head, close your eyes, right there in your living room, wherever you're at, and will you repeat this prayer after me if you to make Jesus the leader and the forgiver of your life? Go ahead and repeat this prayer. Dear Jesus, I come to you today and I need your forgiveness. Forgive me of all of my wrongdoing and all my sin. I give you my life. I accept your unconditional love. Thank you, Jesus for dying for me. I wanna live for you. In Jesus name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, that was the best decision you've ever made. And lastly, I wanna pray for all of us that we'd have strength. So if it's okay, can you just bow your head for a moment just again? I wanna pray strength specifically for you. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for my friend, I pray that you would give them strength to navigate this valley. Lord, may they realize that it is only temporary, that we are just nomads passing through, but rather, God, we are not planting our roots, but rather we are going through it in your strength. God, I ask that you would make this a time of purpose that you would even make it a time of blessing and refreshment. May we realize you've not abandoned us, you are for us, that you will take us through this. Lord, I pray safety for every single person listening. I pray health in the name of Jesus. And I pray resource and that you would give them what they need to be sustained through this season. You are a good God that loves us very much in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you, City First, for being with us today. Jen and I love you so much, and we'll see you soon.